out of structure. Let's do it. We have time to run walls. If it's first and ten, walls. Any down and distance, I don't care. The game is over, and the Chiefs' kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. And Chiefs' kingdom, get ready to welcome your champions. Welcome back, Chiefs' kingdom, to another edition of the Out of Structure podcast, and a special welcome back to the now married man, Ron Cobb Jr., ladies Stay out of the DMs. RKJ is off the market officially. Ron, I can't wait to hear more about the wedding. Yes, sir, Stags. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. It was a nice little week off. Shout out Rocky. Always a good fill-in for, for whenever we need a we need a little spice in this podcast. Brings that brings the hot takes, you know. And uh but no, man, it was a good time. Good week, great wedding, uh, beautiful wife, um, beautiful life. That's what they say. So oh. um <laughs> so it's, it's, it's football season, though, Stags. My body is ready. My mind is ready. My everything is ready to be fully immersed <laughs> in Chiefs football this year. I was having, you know, college football was wild this weekend. I was having FOMO missing out on, you know, um, all the kind of crazy crap going on. All the local teams kind of have something to be excited about. Um, so football season's here, man. It feels good, Stags. It is week one. We're going to be the first. Is this the first podcast of week one for the Airhead Pride Podcast Network? Make sure you're tuning in to the editor show, to the uh, British Great British Chiefs show, to Ron and the show in BK. I mean, there's there are a ton of good shows on the on the network this week, but we get to talk a little bit about week one as we go into it. We'll look back a little bit at how they constructed this initial 53-man Chiefs roster. Um, we're going to get Ron's takes on some, some gambling lines now that you folks in, that are in, on the Kansas side can legally yes, place your bets. Uh, I happen to live in Iowa where we've been able to do it for a little bit, but there's a there's an opportunity now. There's something new to talk about. So we're going to try to incorporate some gambling lines into this show and, and probably every show after this. And, of course, we got your questions from Twitter, as always, and we appreciate those. Keep those coming and stay tuned as we'll get to those probably in the second half of the show. Yeah, let's do it, Sags. No, the gambling thing, we, we, we need to put, you know, some celebratory music in right here because it, it's, it's, it's party time, man. Now, I've, uh, I've, it's always fun to kind of peruse the gambling lines. It's a great way to kind of preview games, kind of look at, you know, what, what the, you know, you know, who truly is better teams or not. You know, Vegas isn't wrong a lot, right? You know, it, it, it honestly, it, it, it factors out that way. And uh, it's nice that, you know, I can, can finally do it, you know, legally kind of just sit down on my phone, you know, don't have to be texting anybody. Uh, to make some bets for me. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited, and, and we got some good lines for you guys. So uh, if anyone's looking to make some season-long bets before week one starts, listen up to our uh, to our segment coming up. But, Stags, we want to talk about the roster a little bit, don't we? I mean, we got a 53-man roster set in stone, never going to change. Uh, no, we, we ever-changing, but we got our initial 53-man roster. Yeah, there's even a transaction today uh, on the extended 53-man roster, so we can call it the – once again, the 69-man roster and in the initial version of said roster, uh, the Chiefs did sign James Wiggins, a, a defensive back, a young athletic player, right, uh, to the practice squad uh, today, Monday, as we're recording this. But the rest of the roster is pretty much how you thought it was going to come out. So I want to talk a little bit about some, maybe not specifics about the roster. I think that's been covered, but any big themes we saw about how they constructed this thing and 
who they were able to keep, who they, they weren't able to keep. And, and I'm just going to start there that I didn't see where they lost anybody that any of, any of us had hoped that they would keep. When you look up and down the roster, there may have been some guys you were surprised made the 53, um, but anybody that they released from the 53 that we thought might have a role on the team this season came right back to the practice squad. So I think in a lot of ways they played this thing pretty well. Dude, yeah, you look at the – and we've been talking about this D-tackle battle. Um, just the fact that they were able to retain all three of the ba- the guys battling it out, you know, Colin Saunders, Danny Shelton, Taylor Stallworth. Um, you look at the offensive line, right? You know, we, we all know we like the starters, but having Austin Ryder, who has literally started a Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes, you know, someone that Patrick Mahomes is comfortable with, if that's your practice squad call-up, I mean – you're just you're you're living good. You're you're feeling good. The receiver position, you know, they get they they have Darius Fountain and Cornell Powell guys that you know. I mean, I mean Darius Fountain especially, just someone that can be called up in in a pinch and, and do something, especially on special teams, someone they can trust. So, no, I think you're 100 right. I think just as everywhere you look at the you know even even past that 53 man roster, it really is a well rounded you know whole team, and and they've really made some 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 good decisions, and and they really have again they didn't lose a lot of people they wanted to and. And man, it, it looks good. I would say. I would say. Yeah, the, I, I think Veach and his team had to really be smart about who they released, who they thought they could get right back, and they really leveraged this uh, expanded veteran practice squad rule, right. uh, where you can have six players with unlimited amounts of experience on the practice squad. So they're using that as really an extension of the fifty-three. Any of these roster battles that we thought that were, were taking place, the the defensive tackle battle that was going between Saunders. Shelton and Stallworth, you know, in some ways Saunders won that. He's on the 53, but Shelton and Stallworth immediately returned to the practice squad. And you can really see where there's a plan there to leverage that unit, to bring folks up maybe on a matchup basis, on definitely on an injury basis. But really they, they had a smart way of releasing veterans that didn't have to go through waivers. Yeah. And with the likely that handshake agreement that they're going to re- return right back with the practice squad contract in hand, uh, it really felt like they had a plan there and they executed it well. Yeah, and then you, you talk, we're talking about the fringes of the roster, right? But then you just look at the meat of it, the actual, you know, the, the thick of it. And, and you found a, a great tweet from Jason at Over the Cap, you know, on Twitter about just how, how much of the Chiefs roster is homegrown, developed talent that they drafted. The Chiefs have, according to this chart by, again, Jason at Over the Cap, have the largest percentage of their roster as teams or as players that were drafted by them within the last five seasons, uh, 73.5%, which is just, you know, the second number is, is in the 72.7. So there's only a few teams in the seventies, but high number. And then also they have an 11.8% of their practice squad. It, it, I, I believe that's the, uh, that, well, I guess 11.8% of the drafted pr- prospects on the practice squad. Um, I may be messing these numbers up. Yeah, so Either way, they're impressive. So you add those really I, the way I see it, you add those two numbers up, right? So you've got eighty, you know, close to eighty-five percent of the Chiefs draft picks in the last five years are still okay, with yeah. the team in one form or another. Um, and really, you look back, you know, over the last three years, there's really only two players that are not with the team still that have been drafted since 2019. And so, yeah, I mean, it definitely shows that. They're figuring this thing out when it comes to drafting. They're definitely keeping their own their own draft picks in house, and that's all the more noteworthy when they've had so many different, so many 
big draft classes. Last year was a big draft class. This year with 10 players and and all 10 of them being retained in one form or another, nine on the active roster, one on the practice squad. I mean, those are great numbers. The only people that it hurts really are the undrafted free agents because there's not a lot of those guys that have made the roster over the last couple of years uh, because they've done such a good job retaining their own draft pick. Yeah, that is funny. I mean, you, you kind of think as an undrafted free agent, it's kind of a destination to, you know, come to Kansas City, maybe like, oh, yeah, maybe I can catch on with the Super Bowl team. Well, you know, it, it's apparently pretty hard to catch on because they're so good at utilizing their draft picks, not wasting them. So, no, it is. Yeah. It, it should be a credit to Brett Veach. That same chart also shows that there's a, a very small number of the Chiefs draft picks that are on other, uh, other teams' rosters, uh, probably direct correlation to how many of them are right. still on the Chiefs roster. And – one of the smallest percentages, if not the smallest percentage in the league that are actually out of football or out of the league. And so really by any metric you look on that that particular chart, they've drafted well, they've retained those players, at least through their first contract. Now that's the next big test though, is will they start having some of these guys on second contracts? Because really the if you that's that's why the cutoff, that's why the 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 where you start measuring this from 2019, they have it basically everybody still in house from prior to that is where you start seeing a lot of guys drop off because that second contract is either coming from another team in the league um, and, and not necessarily with the chiefs. So the real success of this draft class and last year's draft class and the year before may start to show out when they're extending those contracts, um, hopefully over the next couple of years, if that's uh, in the card. Well, and that's the negative of, of this. If there is a negative of how good being so good at drafting is that you really can't keep everyone. You can try, but if, if you ha- are so good at drafting that all these guys, you know, deserve a contract worth, you know, worthy of, you know, being a starter, um, you know, a quality starter, and they're all coming up at the same time, there's going to be guys that we think are, are good players that aren't going to be able to be re-signed for, for just that reason. They're going to have to pick and choose at, at times. So that, that, that'll be a good test to see kind of, you know, Beach, you know, this is the draft part of it as being a GM. Now how do you maneuver the, the signing second contract where you get value and where you can kind of trust your future draft picks to kind of make up for, for losing quality players? But on the flip side, when you have – you remember the most valuable commodity in, in all of football, right, is a – is a great quarterback on a rookie contract. Right. And then things change when you have to pay that quarterback. And then what does everybody say? What you have to do when you sign your quarterback to the big contract, you better start drafting well. And that's really exactly what they've done. Exactly. Mahomes is now on a big contract, although it's still a bargain as compared to the rest of the league and continues to be proven so with guys like Russell Wilson getting paid. But They've done. They've started drafting really well, and they have a bunch of young players on rookie contracts to surround their quarterback, who, who's who's now making you know pretty substantial money, uh, and and that bodes well for the future, assuming these guys play well. Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's the thing. The draft is a crapshoot. It, it really is. I mean, you can you can. There aren't really necessarily teams that are very much better than other teams at drafting. You know, it, it is kind of for the most part a crapshoot. So when you can go through these you know, periods of time, like we've seen each the past, you know, three or four drafts that we're you know talking about here. And you can have all this success. Like it's not going to continue forever. It's just, that's just the way the draft is. Honestly, it, there, there's going to be busts. There's going to be things, but to kind of hit on them all at once, like, like he's doing right now, it's a, it's a, it's a nice way to kind of, you know, transition that period, you know, um, 
like you're saying, into the big quarterback contract. I mean, if you're lucky, it's I'm wearing my Royals uh, uh, shirt today, but like when all the, the, the young ball players come up for the Royals and they all came up together exactly. and they all hit at the same time is when that team really blew up and, and took off. Obviously, football is a little bit different in the way that uh, uh, player development happens and how and the timelines are a little different. But if you've got a big chunk of young players all hitting the stride at the same time, uh, this team could be good together for a long time uh, going forward if, if, if these draft classes are as good as we think they are. Absolutely. Well, the other thing I noticed, though, by the way, is that they didn't make many other transactions. We've been right. Everybody in the in Chiefs media has been good this year, not in every year, but this year, everybody's been good about saying this is the initial 53 man roster It's going to change. They're going to sign somebody. They're going to trade somebody. They're going to claim, claim somebody on waivers. There's going to be transactions that are going to change this roster from day one and really we haven't seen a lot of that. They signed a couple of players that they had shown some interest in to the practice squad. Uh, the tight end out of Missouri being one of those. Yep. Other than that, I mean, they haven't disrupted that initial 53-man roster at all yet. The only transaction, really the one that we thought we talked about last week with Rocky, that the roster construction hinges a little bit on Blake Bell going to IR who are they going to, you know, have to release and re-sign because of that transaction? Sounds like that's in the works now. Blake Bell's going to IR. Uh, you know, Elijah Lee is going to be coming right back on the roster, specifically right. uh, announced or, or mentioned as, as the guy who's going to take that spot. But otherwise, the they haven't made a lot of transactions, and all of those decisions that we thought the roster construction was hinging on, Ronald Jones making the roster – Darren Kennard making the roster, uh, Danny Shelton, you know, making the practice squad, uh, and Blake Bell going to IR. To me, those are the four moves that you know really defined how the bottom end of that roster was going to work out, and and pretty much all of them have played out exactly how we thought they would. Other than Danny Shelton on the practice squad, where we thought he might be on the active roster, but you got to think that they still have a plan for him, right? They're going to call him up when they need him. Yeah, exactly. No, he, he's a direct Derek Naughty replacement with Derek Naughty does on early downs for this team against the run. You know, if he were to go down, they would definitely need someone like Danny Shelton. And I think Saunders can do it to an extent, but not in the way that, you know, Naughty can just sometimes just doesn't get moved and just absorbs that double team. And that's exactly what Danny Shelton can do as well. But I, I, I do want to play a little game with you, though, Stags, real quick. I want to just kind of guess the game day inactive because honestly, it was kind of I, going through it, you know, finding six players out of this 53. Um, and, and the rule being that, you know, you can actually have up to only five inactive with an offensive lineman, um, an eighth offensive lineman, uh, uh, you know, active, obviously. Um, it is kind of tough to, to pick out some players that, that you don't, you know, that don't suit up. I mean, you're going to you know, there might be some players that, you know, showed out in the preseason a little bit uh, that that might be kind of, uh, you know, just naturally not on, you know, not dressed up. So I don't know. Well, do you have a prediction? Let's do a snake draft here. So I'll, I'll pick an inactive. And you, you can follow it up with another one until we until we have our five or six. Perfect. So I'm going to take the easy the first round draft pick when it comes to game day inactives. It's Shane Bouchelle, the third yeah. quarterback, <laughs> is going to be inactive uh, every week. There's really no question about that unless uh, catastrophic injuries happen above him. So uh, so the first pick in the inactive draft goes to Shane Bouchelle. Yeah, uh, accurate first pick, and I think the second pick is is pretty set in stone too. Darian Kennard, the the right tackle from Kentucky. Fifth round pick, 
just not there right away to, to you know, contribute right away. But he's still in the 53-man, obviously, because they don't want to, you know, have the chance of losing it. Obviously. Yeah, that was an interesting one because so many of the media – uh, and folks around the Chiefs had had talked about how he's not going to make it. They're going to cut him. He's he hasn't shown enough. Maybe he'll be on the practice squad, but maybe they also like that rookie contract and they, and they just want to keep that thing intact while they continue right. developing. So yeah, point. I think that's a that's a no brainer. He's a you know third or fourth in line for 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 a tackle spot, and and I think on, on a game day if they really needed a an emergency tackle they've got plans uh, uh there in in-house uh, on the active list so yeah i think he'll be inactive every single week so the second pick being darren canard um for the third pick i'm going to cheat a little bit and say it's one of the defensive ends <laughs> so so it's we don't know uh what their plans are there but it, it was a mild surprise that both joshua kando uh and malik herring both made the roster we thought it'd be one or the other uh, both of those guys made the roster along with Carlos Dunlop, uh, but Dunlop was banged up. He's back to practicing again, but he hasn't practiced a lot. And so maybe it takes a little time for uh, for him to be active. So maybe week one, he might be the inactive one. Uh, but then I think every week, at least one of those three is going to be inactive as long as all three of those guys are on the 53. Yeah, I'm with you, and and I think it makes sense maybe that Kando gets that edge over Herring right away just because he has some experience playing, um, you know, in the defense. But, obviously, but Herring was better. Herring was I, better. I agree. Yeah, right? I I I really like Herring. I really like what I saw from Herring this year. I thought if they pick between the two, I would want Herring on the team. But you know, he Herring was dealing with his own little uh, bang up and and in, in practice, uh, you know, recently too. So. Uh, you know, I, I think I think it could flip flop like you're saying, like one or the other, and that's why it makes sense why you you cheat and take and take two for that draft pick. But uh, I'm gonna right, go, yeah, the fourth pick. The fourth pick to me seems pretty clear, and and it's a kind of surprisingly clear. Uh, Joshua Williams, the, the cornerback, mm. uh, just because at, one of the cornerbacks is going to be inactive every week. That's kind of just how it works. They kept six. Chris Lamons is a special teams ace, and and. It was funny. We actually had an AP commenter kind of uh, come come at us for for calling Chris Lamons a special teams ace. That's what he is. That's what Dave, Dave Tobe calls him, and that's just how they're going to treat him. So get used to him being on that fifty three man roster. And I really but think he's he's known league wide as one. He, this is not exactly. just like Dave Tobe talk. Like he's a legitimate one of the the better special teams players in the league. Yes. Now, is it Lamons or Lamons, by the way? I, I go know. back and forth. I, you know, I, <laughs> I always knew it as Lamons. Everyone kept calling him Lamons, so I tried to transition, but it, it's going to go back and forth. But anyway, Jalen Watson as well, kind of earning. I, in my opinion, it seems like he earned that 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 last spot in terms of you know that last spot uh, after Fenton in the cornerback rotation over Joshua Williams as the preseason went on. I think they're both you know young players that have a long way to go, obviously, but. I do think you can maybe see how Watson could come in right away and maybe just eat snaps and 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 maybe just kind of, you know, maybe not mess up as much. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, uh, dog on Joshua Williams at all, but I could just see maybe that he could be more comfortable. And that's, we talked about it, you know, when I was, when I was here before, but you know, he, he was playing in the PAC 12 last year, Joshua Williams was in D2. I think there could be something to that right away. And so, yeah, I, I have Joshua Williams as the, the fourth in the game day in action. No, that, that doesn't make sense. I mean, I think Watson did pass him up in the preseason um Williams is one of those Williams might be arguably the better long-term prospect just because of the physical attributes but might take a little bit more time and right. so so yeah I think you'd be perfectly happy with him being inactive and continuing to work on his craft and and uh uh being a future starter uh but 
Watson can play special teams. He's he showed uh, some big special team snaps in, in preseason. Um, it makes a lot of sense. All right, so we've got one pick, the the final pick in the in the inactive draft. We're assuming that they're going to have eight offensive linemen active. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I would have said Prince Tega Winogo would be the the other inactive. But uh, if they go ahead and keep him active, keep eight offensive linemen on game day, they only have to have five inactive players. And uh, I think Colin Saunders might be that guy, um, but but it might only be on those weeks where Danny Shelton or Taylor Stallworth come up from the practice squad. So Saunders was inactive quite a bit last year, uh, and, and I yeah. think he's just one of those players that he was probably on the bubble. He earned his way onto the roster, but I don't know if he's earned a spot in the rotation quite yet. What do you think? Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. I, I do think he's, he's it's going to be in that similar vein he's always been in his career where, yeah, he's a game day inactive. He's on the 53, but he just doesn't always play. You know, it's one of those things where maybe early in the season, you don't feel the need to have as much, uh, you know, rotation with your D tackles because they're maybe more fresh than they will be later in the season. You're right. You know, th- those two elevations that they have from the practice squad, they can kind of pick and choose when they feel like maybe they need a little more run support with a guy like Danny Shelton. Um, or if they just, you know, kind of want to mix it up, maybe give Stallworth some opportunity. So, yeah, it, it's interesting. I, I was thinking Ronald Jones, um, to be honest mm. with you. Although I think they're both in that similar situation, like we're kind of saying, where, you know, depending on the matchup, depending on the situation, the, the game, you know, maybe later in the season, Ronald Jones is more likely to be, you know, called up because they need, you know, maybe some fresh legs. Yeah, open, you, know? you know what? I, I might have to change my pick here. I, I was hedging a little bit anyway by saying that Saunders would be inactive if they called up somebody else on game day uh, because yeah. I think Saunders does is in this weird spot where what does he do best, right? He's more of a penetrating, right. uh, you know, defensive tackle, and they already have Treshawn Wharton in that mold. They have yeah. Mike Dana who's reducing down inside on some downs. Um, and of course, Chris Jones, that's what he does. So, so maybe, you know, you could see a role for, for Danny Shelton specifically is, is being somebody that they bring up. They can do something a little different. Uh, but you're right though. I think Andy Reid even said as much in his press conference today that, you know, they carry all of those, those running backs in, but probably three of them would have roles on game day. Right. right. So, uh, so I, I think that's, that, that might be a, a pretty good bet to say uh, either McKinnon or Jones might be inactive depending on the uh, uh, on the game the game plan. Well, you say it's a pretty good bet. You say that, huh? Uh, pretty, <laughs> good, uh, pretty good transition. No, I, I like that talk about the, the game day inactives. I think that was important because honestly, it, it, it was a thinker. I had to kind of think through exactly which you know which players would would you know have to be rotated out, but. I want to get into some bets because, again, we're celebrating here, the, you know, the Kansas side at least. If you're in the Missouri side, uh, you're still waiting a little bit. I think we're getting there, though. I think we're getting there. Um, but the Kansas side, we got bets to, to break down. I got these these numbers courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook, which is actually a partner of, of SB Nation and Arrowhead Pride. So we'll always be using their their lines as, as kind of a, a gauge when we look at the, you know, the NFL from a betting perspective. But just kind of a cool way to preview the season stags. Um, I got some, some, you know, uh, uh, season long award, you know, lines, some kind of other special lines for the chiefs. I want to start here though, stags. Ten, you bet $10. You could win $350 on this bet. If Nick Bolton leads the NFL in total tackles, it's the biggest long shot I saw in terms of the odds, uh, in chief specific bets. And I just think it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of an interesting one. He almost, you know, he led the team in tackles last year as a situational player. 
and he's going to be a three down backer this year stags i don't know i if, if anyone's out there man i i i would look into that he was he was not uh, very high on the list and i think he's going to be up there in terms of snap counts for all nfl linebackers this year and man he's going to be a magnet you know to the ball we already know that so i don't know stags if you're trying to you know win some money you could you could take that up there too yeah absolutely i think you take that bet uh nick bolton led the team in tackles last year in a limited role. And, and now he's the three down guy, like you mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's every reason to believe he'll have, you know, triple digits, right? Like there, there's no reason to think that he'll have less than a hundred tackles. And, right. and, uh, uh, and that number should probably go up with him being in the sub packages more. So, yeah, I mean, that I am surprised that that's such long odds because who are the big tacklers in the NFL at this point? Like, that are going to be ahead of him. And I, I think he put, he's already put his, himself in that conversation um, prior yeah. to the season. So, yeah, I, I think it's maybe the odds makers not understanding that he is going to be a three down backer. And that's maybe where, you know, you can get a little advantage, you know, catching up before, you know, the odds makers, you know, realize, you know, they're kind of, you know, maybe giving you a little bit of an edge there, but I don't know. Other one stags, Patrick Mahomes plus 900 to win MVP, meaning you win a, you know, you bet $100, you win $900. He's in third place with the Herbert, uh, obviously behind Josh Allen and uh, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, I believe. I don't know. I, I should have put it, but I know he's tied with, with uh, Herbert in third. And I don't know. Do you feel like that's disrespectful at all, Mahomes being third? I, whatever it is, I take that bet. Mahomes <laughs> is going to have a monster year. Uh, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder. He's got plenty to prove. He's got the, a new look offense. I mean, I, I, I think I think he should be the favorite. So yeah, disrespect, no disrespect. I don't care if I'm if I'm betting money, I'm going to take that one. And how about him at number eight on the NFL top 100? I think that was kind of that was, uh, he, he can he'll be doing the hold on. Let's let's do this uh, over under which week Mahomes will be doing the you know one two three four five six seven eight with his fingers. Uh, probably probably that second home game. I I think Stags he might be pulling it out then. And. And they play Tampa Bay this year, right? Yes, week four. So, so, so yeah, you can. That that's the week he's going to do it. That's the that, there you go, there you go. So over under week four and a half. I love it. Okay, well, some rookie year, uh, rookie of the year bets. Sky Moore is plus twelve hundred, meaning you know uh, bet a hundred to win. Uh, you know, twelve hundred or yeah, twelve hundred. Um, offensive rookie of the year. Um, he, he's about sixth or seventh on the list. You know, a lot of those receivers, which we actually have a question about later, um, are ahead of him, but. And then George Karloftis is actually at plus 1,600, so a little bit longer odds for him to win Defensive Rookie of the Year, which I would actually, between those two stags, which would you rather or which one do you think is more likely? Because I would actually think Karloftis um, has a better chance than maybe Sky at that award. Yes. Um, me, noted Karloftis homer. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> would certainly take Karloftis uh, over Sky Moore in this, in this particular scenario just because Sky Moore has got a good opportunity. He's going to get he's going to get the ball some this year. Um, I also think it speaks volumes to you know the fact that you know he's one of only five receivers on the active roster. He he's going to get the ball. He but he's probably going to come along slowly. I I can't imagine he's going to have more than uh, more than a couple catches a game at least early on. And so he's just not going to get the hype. He's not going to get the the notoriety his his rookie year. So I I would not take this guy more bet. The Karloftis bit at this point is interesting because, again, I'm I'm still keeping my expectations low for Karloftis, but we talked about this on the pod uh, after the second preseason game when he got a, a sack, and I, and I said something to the effect of, I had previously predicted 
four to six sacks a year for Karloff. It's just being, you know, what I saw in, for, for in college, especially last year. But if he does what he's been doing and gets even, even every other game fights his way into a sack, you've got an eight plus sacks uh, for a rookie. That's a big number. That's a rookie of the year type season uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, I still don't know that he's going to get to double digits, and I, I would definitely not bet on that. But if Carlotta gets eight or nine and otherwise looks good, he's going to be in that conversation. So, uh, and and the the way he's played so far, it seems like he's going to work his way to to at least at least a pretty decent number of, of big plays this season. So, so yeah, Carlotta over more in the in that bet. Uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, I would honestly. And honestly, the more I think, the more you think about it, the more time goes on, you know, the more it's possible he just leads the DNs and and snaps. He just plays the most snaps just because he's he's young, he's he's willing, he's able, he's going to he's just going to be a force for offensive tackles to deal with. You know, a lot of the you know, a lot of the other defensive ends, you know, even like Frank Clark, they may just be more rotational around him this year, the you know, more comfortable he gets and he already looks pretty comfortable. So I just think when you talk about quantity, and then that's what this award is, you know, you, you see the, the the sacks rack up and the tackles for losses rack up. Even if a guy like, you know, uh, Trent McDuffie has a, a pretty good rookie year too, this award is won by, you know, th- those numbers, those counting numbers, and, and those sacks and, and tackles could rack up for Karloftis just because he plays so many snaps. You bet with Dunlop and, and Frank Clark both ailing a little bit still. Right. Um, and there's pretty good chance that those guys are not going to play 17 games and not going to play all – of right. those games and Carloftis might be the one constant there. You get a couple other bets for us before we go to break. Yes. Well, first of all, this Andy Reid one is, is fascinating to me. The plus 3000. So a hundred to win $3,000 to win coach of the year. And I know he's, he's someone that, you know, coach of the year is kind of this award where the best ones don't usually win it. Right. Just because, you know, Belichick doesn't win it all the time anymore. Um, but what it is this year, I think there's a chance where, you know, voters and, and, and stuff could be impressed with, if this is an impressive record, if the Chiefs can can have a, a high record, can win the AFC West, can kind of still establish themselves, even after all these offseason storylines, you know, uh, surrounding obviously losing Tyreek Hill and stuff, I think there's a chance the voters respect that. And Andy Reid, you know, maybe get some consideration for Coach of the Year for for you know once in his career. Obviously, he's won it before, but it was when he was a younger coach, um, and he's won it with the Chiefs, obviously. But I just think this could be an opportunity for for him to kind of make you know the Chiefs to kind of maybe surprise voters enough for for Coach Reed to get that recognition. So I like that. I like the odds there. I think you could make a case that Andy Reed is is set up for the type of season that can gain some attention when it comes to these awards because yeah. you know they they lost Tyreek Hill, which by most odds makers seem to think that that's going to completely harpoon the the Chiefs season, right? So uh, they lost Tyron Matthew, where. The, the national media still thinks that he was a, a player carrying this defense. So if you can say, hey, I, he just lost two star players and still came back and, and won the division when the rest of the division loaded up, I think there's a lot of storylines there that make sense. By the yeah. way, yeah. I'm looking through the history of this award. Andy Reid's only won it once, not with the Chiefs. He's really? only won it once, and it was in 2002 with the Eagles, the 12 and 4 season when they went to the NFC Championship game. Uh, that's it. Only one one award in his distinguished career, uh, and, and I think that's and and he has not won it yet with Kansas City, even though I think he I'm sure he's deserved it at least a couple of times. Well, honestly, yeah, I'm surprised that is maybe like another 
you know, maybe not the official coach of the year award, but maybe he got another type one. Cause I swear he got it in 2013, his first year. Um, just because obviously, you know, we went from two and 14 to, you know, a division or not division winner, I guess, but you know, nine and O playoff team, but interesting. Well, yeah, that's, I, I think that even sure. plays into it even more. So good point. I think in 2018, he won the, the, uh, the one-on-one awards, uh, coach oh, yeah. of the year, but not the, not the pro football writers, like the, the official one. So, uh, but, but yeah, he has, he's won that official one once and, and it's been, it's been a long time. It's been 20 years. So. Well, there you go. There's there's a bet for for the people, and I got a few more to 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 round off here real quick. Honestly, this is, this is not the greatest odds, but it's just something that's probably going to be automatic. To talk about Andy Reid, Chiefs' longest regular season win streak over four and a half games, and the reason they set that line there is because he has had at least a five game win streak in every regular season he's been with the Chiefs, dating back to 2013. He's had streaks of eight, ten, ten twice, actually nine, obviously that first year. So that's obviously a good one to go to. Um, Chiefs to win AFC West plus 175, just just back the boys, right? I, you don't get a many opportunities to have the Chiefs in uh, that that good of odds to win their division. They they usually you know minus money to do that. Um, and I, I don't want to get to some of the division bets here before we go. Uh, and Chiefs to finish first, Chargers finish second in AFC West plus 450. If you think they're the two best teams in the division, I think it's really good odds for that for that um, yeah. you know for that line. And when real quick to talk about the division. Chiefs over three and a half wins in the division at plus 110. I think that's a tough bet. I don't know for sure if I would take that stack. This is a really tough division. What are you thinking um, when you look at the AFC West? Yeah, those are all interesting. I I would still bet on them to win the division just because right. that's what they do. Uh, but to win the division, you probably are going to win four out of the six division games. So, so I would probably take both of those two. The Chiefs finished first. The Chargers finished second. I can see why the odds get longer when you start adding other teams into the mix, right? So it's not just yeah. predicting what the Chiefs do, but you have to predict what the Chiefs and the Chargers do and have it line up. Um, you know, there's still a lot of national pundits picking the Chargers to win and the Chiefs to finish, you know, second. I saw some that had had the Chiefs third or fourth in the division, which is pretty <laughs> laughable at this point uh, because when Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes are are teamed up. They've, the Chiefs have never won less than 12 games in a, yes. in, a, in a season, and most of those were in 16-game seasons. So you you got to bet that they're going to win at least 12 games this season, uh, probably 13, you know, and and uh, and so that's probably going to be good enough to win this division as tough as it is this year. So, yeah, the, the teams are going to beat up on each other a little bit more. Yeah, the other teams in the division are improved, but I still think you might I might take all three of those. Uh, what do you think? I, I would agree. I would agree. I already placed my division winner bet, so I think I got a little better odds. I did it uh, uh, a little bit ago. Um, now the uh, the over under four and a half, the over four and a half game win streak. This might be an interesting year for that one, just because this this season the schedule's rough. Yeah, there are some stretches there that, that get pretty nasty. Um, you know, if if you if you've got four losses in the seventeen game season. Uh, and you spread those out evenly, um, then you might not have a, a, a four or five game win streak um, or five games or more win streak, which is what it would take to win that bet. So, you know, that one I, I might be curious to see. Do you see any stretches in this in the schedule where there's five obvious wins in a row? 
I would say late in the season, um, you know, they, they may, you know, if they, if they win a couple division games, they got that Seahawks Texans kind of in that same stretch late. Um, yeah. I, I think that's where the, the money spot is. Yeah, you're right though. Anywhere else it's, it's tough to say for sure that they'd put that. Together. Yeah. If you, right. if you take those last, the last five games, I guess you got Broncos, Texans, Seahawks, Broncos, Raiders. Uh, so that's yeah, so you tough can though. Broncos twice. That's, you know, that's yeah. To be the, beat the same team twice within you know, was it yeah. three, four weeks? Uh, that, that's tough. Yeah, but the, yeah, there's some brutal stretches of the schedule, and, I, and I'm curious to see how it plays out. I wouldn't be surprised to see them a little bit up and down this season as the season goes on. But tell you what, we probably got to pay some bills, uh, get to break, let uh, hear from our sponsors. But in the meantime, uh, Ron, this time I got a, a wedding-themed would you rather from you that I stole from Rob Collins of Fox 4 on Twitter. Uh, so we'll say courtesy of Roxanne, Ron, <laughs> Rob Collins not stolen from, but <laughs> you, just had a, you just had a wedding, just had a reception, probably had a nice cake, uh, maybe had a good meal. I don't know if you served steak to all your wedding uh, uh, attendees or not, but uh, you're nodding here. So we did. Uh, <laughs> do, you order, do you serve some steak? Oh yeah, no, we did it up. Yeah, it was it was, right. home, it was home style steak, chicken cordon bleu. It was good. It was good. Nice. <laughs> so Rob asks, would you rather have steak flavored cake or a cake flavored steak? That's the would you rather that we're going to ponder as we go to break. Stick with us. We're getting to your Twitter questions as we come back on the Out of Structure Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. We'll be right back to hear about Ron's steak flavored cake or cake flavored steak. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Thanks for sticking around with the Out of Structure podcast. We're about to get to all of your Twitter questions, which there are some really good ones this week. But in the meantime, Ron, coming back fresh off the honeymoon, fresh off the wedding and the reception, would you rather have a steak-flavored cake or a cake-flavored steak? This question is horrible. You, you thought my uh, would you rather of who, which division rival would you rather see when the division was bad? I mean, that was imagine, imagine trying to eat one of these just makes my stomach turn and my skin crawl uh oh man i gotta do i gotta go steak flavored cake though I, I i don't know i cannot take the texture of a steak tasting like cake i just don't think i could do it steak just tastes so good so i'm just gonna deal with it being feeling mushy and texture in my mouth and just deal with it tasting good so i'm gonna go steak flavored cake <laughs> yeah i mean they've got like uh a lot of desserts with meats in them now like there's there's a lot of bacon flavored stuff there's a yeah uh, you know I could see having a little bit of like a, a a sweet and savory cake that that had a little steak flavor to it, but you're just ruining a good steak if you're making it taste like anything <laughs> else and or adding anything sweet to it. Yeah. Uh, if if you bring me out a steak that's got a you know icing on top or something, it's it's, <laughs> it's not going to go well. So I, I think you probably came out on the right end of that one. Yeah, I would say so. No, that's that that cake does not sound. Or that that cake, I don't know. I, ugh, I'm I'm Let's, totally not a good not a good one. Not a good. We'll get one. to some more appetizing questions here. We'll start with Ken Nooner at Mr. Nooner eighty four on Twitter. 
Do you think the defense will take a couple weeks to get their mojo going? Or that will they be as dominant as they looked in the preseason? So, yeah, this is an interesting point, right? I mean, the defense is, is, is very new to, to a lot of players. I mean, Staggs has even mentioned that he, he usually takes the first quarter of the season um, to kind of maybe, you know, work through some things, kind of feel what, who they are as a defense, like what things work for them. And that's kind of been evident in his defense is, in, at least in Kansas City, right, that we've seen, you know, a lot of slow starts, especially last year. Um, but then at time, they turned it on and looked like a very dominant unit, even, you know, maybe you could say a, a weaker schedule helped a little bit. But, yeah, I, I do think there's a chance that, you know, the defense that goes through its rough patches right away. Uh, I think it's natural for a spag, Spags defense anyway, but we got a lot of rookies. We've talked about it, man. And, and you know, you got your first quarter quarterbacks, the first quarter of the season, I should say. You got Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, Matt Ryan. You know, Matt Ryan's a veteran. You know, he's, he's someone who can definitely still pick you apart a little bit. And Tom Brady to, to round that out, right? So, you know, I, I definitely think there's 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 ways where the defense could go through some rough patches um, right out the gate. It'll be interesting to see if Tom Brady finds somebody to pick on in this new look Chiefs defense. In, in the past, all he had to do was look for 49 uh, or 56 <laughs> out there, right? It, you just knew that that's where the ball was going. Wherever those guys were, uh, they were getting picked on. Previous points in their careers, Charveris Ward, you know, other players have, have been that been that guy that got picked on. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you've got some guys, but there's not a lot of tape on them, right? So, uh, you know, I'm sure they're going to do their due diligence and they're going to have good scouting reports on these guys. But with the Chiefs starting, you know, at least one rookie corner, uh, and and at least having another rookie going to be playing quite a bit. Another rookie safety going to be playing quite a bit. They've got a new safety in from, from Houston in Justin Reed. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the, how the communication works in that secondary, how they play together, but also are there any glaring, ugly, weak links that, that can be just picked apart by a veteran who knows what they're doing? As of now, I don't see one unless maybe you get Leo Chanel in coverage. Other than that, I don't really see one. Um, and so it, it might be, it might be better than we think. Well, yeah, no, it, it's going to be a test for, for guys that you, you mentioned 46 or 49 and 56 from last year, the guys filling those roles in the dime defense, which again is, is, is something they go to situationally most third downs. And, you know, one of the most important downs of the, of the game each time um, those same guys filling those roles, Nick Bolton and Justin Reed actually is playing the, the Dan Sorensen role while Brian Cook will, will come in, but I actually play more uh, towards the back in a, a traditional safety uh, responsibility. But those two guys are going to, it's a big test. You'd rather have those guys in those, facing those tests, facing those challenges, right? Rather than Ben Neiman and Daniel Sorensen last year. But it is going to be tough, man. It, it's not going to be easy right away. I, I think Justin Reed, as someone that's excelled as a free safety a lot in his career, someone that patrols the back end, it, Spags is trusting him to come down and, and play over tight ends in those situations and kind of, you know, play closer to the box and, Again, that's where Dan Sorensen, what Dan Sorensen was doing last year, he got picked on sometimes. I think teams will still try to go to those those same players and, and test them in those responsibilities. But again, I think we all feel better about the, those two players in those roles. So it'll it'll be an interesting test. Yeah, please please test Brian Cook as as compared to Sorensen. Like I, right. I feel much better about that opportunity. Uh, let's just jump to Thomas Ramirez's question: Are you more excited about how the offense looks or how the defense looks? at least early in the season. Definitely how the new offense looks. I know, I know we just talked about the defense, and I'm excited for that too, but 
you know, there's so many questions we still really don't know the answer to. I mean, we, we've seen these wide receivers play a little bit in the preseason with Mahomes, but not a ton. I mean, Juju Smith-Schuster was held out with that sore knee and, and the most extended playing time Mahomes saw in that second game. So what the wide receiver dis- distribution really does look like. I mean, does Sky Moore have a, a, a higher, you know, um, rate of usage than we think? Or is McCole Hardman, you know, is he just reserved back to that gadget role? Or, 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 can't, or is there going to be a surprising – you know, coming out party for him this regular season where he he, he is, you know, stepping up. It, it would be surprising to me. I'm not betting on that. We're talking about betting. Um, but, yeah, also the running back roles, right? I mean, this they kept Ronald Jones, right? So now we have these four running backs and and just kind of how they distribute them. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is definitely, you know, the, the first running back off, you know, onto the field. But does that mean he's going to be the running back on the field the most? Not necessarily, right? Um, you know, Jarek McKinnon, I think, seems to be the third down back it, it seems to be that is the case uh you know according to the preseason snaps and then you you want to get guys like Pacheco the ball I mean you, you see that he is much more explosive and and that's exciting so I don't know I, I really want to see if Clyde you know is does kind of hold on to maybe the highest usage of, of snap rate but I don't think it's necessarily the case even though he has been like the clear you know like his starting role has never been questioned throughout the preseason but just how much he's used I'm, I'm curious to see that for sure yeah, I'm really excited about the the wide receiver group, and I think there's the unpredictability of it, and just the sheer, you know, depth of this group is going to be more fun for me to watch because, you know, last season we all knew, last season and the year before, really, is defenses were going to try to take away one or two guys, and there was basically zero chance of getting production if those two guys were taken away or if one of them was hurt. Like it, it really was that obvious. And I think last year it really came back to bite them more than, more than it had in pre- previous seasons when defenses changed everything to contain Tyreek Hill. The Chiefs didn't have a good answer for that. And as much as we wanted to hope that, that a Byron Pringle or a Demarcus Robinson were going to step up and start making some plays, I, I don't feel like it ever really happened on a consistent basis. So now you've got guys from one to five on this wide receiver group that, you know, I feel like Justin Watson's going to have a hundred-yard game with a with a touchdown this season. Like, there's going to be games, and it might just rotate like that, where MVS goes off, where Sky Moore goes off, where you know Juju. I think is probably going to be the most consistent of all of them. But you're going to have a lot more opportunity, I think, for the for the offense to look uh, fun, to look you know depth to show off that depth. And I think Jake Wilson's question sort of gets to all of this, right? He asked. The offense now has more depth at receiver, dynamic tight end, and a di- diverse group of running backs, which is an interesting way of putting it. Do you think they can actually unlock the full breadth of Andy Reid's playbook? Yeah, no, I, I think I think there is the possibility to do it. It's, it's up to the coaching staff to do it at this point, right? Because I do think, you know, you, when you put all the pieces together, when you look at the certain packages they can go for, and I'll list them off, right? You go, we talk about the 13 personnel packages, the three tight ends, the different things they can do with that. You know, obviously, there's the different ways they utilize 11 personnel where Kelsey's that tight end, but he, he don't treat him like a tight end. So it's basically 10 personnel, the ways they're, you know, that, that kind of uniqueness they can do there. But also, you know, maybe we see these five wide formations this year. That's, that's kind of maybe an add on where, you know, if they need to kind of you know mess with the defense, maybe they can have Sky more, you know, as a, a, a faux running back. Right. Because they have five wide. The defense reacts to five wide. But then, you know, you kind of bring in a running back and you still run a little bit. No, but that even goes to 21 personnel packages with two backs on the field, right? But if Clyde can maybe play more of a slot receiver role and, and maybe you can have, 
you know, where the defense sees two backs, they react to two backs, and then Clyde split out in the slot. You know, there's also, you know, just the, the traditional stuff that we all have been running, right, where it's two backs, you know, fullback, we're running power, running counter with a guy like Ronald Jones and hopefully Pacheco. There's just all these things that maybe weren't as available to them before. And even Jody Fortson, too, should get a shout-out in this, too, because his kind of versatility, you know, maybe in the red zone where, you know, he can kind of spell Kelsey a little bit or or maybe they can both be on the field and both be these these pretty dynamic tight end threats in the red zone. Um, I, I think there is I, – I think Jake Wilson's right. I think this – this is opening up a lot more like all that, all those things I said, not of all those who were available before with, with the offense as it existed before. So it is yeah, future coach of the year. Andy Reed is going to have the opportunity to use, yeah. Back shoulder throws, play action passes. Yes. Uh, you know, the screen game should continue to get better as this interior offensive line becomes the strength of the team. You know, there, there's, there's a lot that I think has been left on the table that we keep wondering when it's going to, when it's going to show up and, and, not the least of which is is Clyde Edwards-Alaire in the passing game. So that's going to be the big key to me. If that happens, then anything's on the table for this offense. If they still can't get Clyde in the passing game and right. the running game is still predictable and, and limited, then you know there's going to be ups and downs. But but man, if if they come out week one and Clyde has a hundred yards receiving, then you know all bets are off. This is going to be. This is going to be just a, a 2018 type season. Yeah, and that's the thing we, we 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 haven't we don't know what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're not going to show it in the preseason, right? If they and 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 we I, I wouldn't want them to, right? So there's going to be some surprises week one, and and hopefully good ones, right? Hopefully not bad surprises. Uh, that that would that would be the hope. Yeah, they've definitely been holding holding some stuff back that we're going right. to see right out the gate. Uh, Jake Wilson also asked if Rojo struggles in pass protection and he's inconsistent as a receiver, which both of those things are historically true and seem to be true in the preseason. What does his inclusion in the initial 53 suggest about the Chiefs offense? Could that be, and this is me adding on to the question, could that be something that they were holding back, that they didn't show much, in, at least until the third preseason game, when all of a sudden they, they lined them up and, and let, let Jones get after it? Um, is that something that they're just waiting to unleash on, on this regular season? Well, it tells you about the Chiefs offense that they don't necessarily think that the other running backs on the team can be as effective on those plays. And and that, you know, I, I, I highlighted on Twitter, but they like to spam a, a particular run play. It's, it's, it's a GH counter, guard pulling, kicking out the defensive end, the H back or fullback, you know, following through into the hole and the running back supposed to follow him while the rest of the offensive line down blocks. They love doing that because they have Trey Smith, the right guard, who's going to kick the defensive end's butt out of the hole. And they have quality blockers in, in a Michael Burton and or, and or you know, a Noah Gray. Uh, you know, they'll use Kelsey at times. But, you know, I, I do think I, I just think they it, it tells you that they want to run those plays. And the, the best one to do that by far, at, 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 honestly, you know, you want Pacheco to be good at it. But I think there is some vision stuff that Jones as a veteran running back kind of understands, you know, and, and maybe is a little better at. It just tells you that they want to run those plays at some point. Maybe not right away, right? Maybe we see it later in the season. But maybe there's a time where they come out and, and Jones leads the team in rushing because they just spam those uh, run plays, trust the offensive line to dominate a particular matchup where they think maybe they, they, they can do it, you know, leading into the game is kind of the game plan kind of thing. So, yeah, I think it tells you that, that, that Jones has a role and it's going to be used at some point. They wouldn't have kept him if there, if there wasn't a role in plan, right? Yeah, maybe we were all wrong about Ronald Jones all along. Maybe they they never had him 
in the not making the roster slot. Maybe they just had a plan for yeah. him along and they said, we already know what he can do. We don't have to show it a lot in the preseason. Let's work on some other stuff. But yeah, how fun would it be to see this offense open it up in the first half, get a big lead, and then just start running power with with Ronald Jones in the second half of a game and just grind it out, just shut teams out down in the second half. I mean that that would be an interesting, you know, I feel like that's something he could do, and uh, something that we would like to see them be able to run the ball to close games out. And I think you saw last season at the end of the season against the Bengals twice. What happens if they can't do that? Yeah, exactly. No, and that's and that's why I think I, we all kind of talked about it this offseason. I was kind of hoping that would be the transition. We may have been disappointed so far the preseason, but there's always a chance to, for it to still be the case. But I'm going to get you with the question this time, Stags, and we're going to maybe rapid fire here a little bit on this, on maybe a little bit of a buy-sell off of Ian Corey's question at Belfast Chief. Are we overly confident in what this team is capable of based on the success of last year's rookie class? For this team to perform at a high level, we need multiple ifs to be true. And he lists off a bunch of ifs. And so a little buy or sell on, on, on kind of just what he's getting at in terms of his ifs. So his first one is if Karloftis can be a hit. I mean, that's a bit pretty big if. Are you buying or selling that right away? Well, first of all, just on the overall question, are we confident? Are we overconfident because of last year's draft class? And I think some of that has crept in, at least from the draft to this point. And, and and I think I'm talking about guys like Darren Kennard, who right. we just all said, oh, there's another Trey Smith. Check. He's going to be Trey Smith. He clearly isn't Trey Smith. Um, he may still have a path to the team, but it's going to be a, a more normal late round pick, you know, working his way up. Um, and so, yeah, I think last year's class certainly did bias us to say, all right, you're going to get big contributions from rookies early on. However, to the point of Ian's question here, the Chiefs really are relying on a lot of rookies to perform this season. So there's going to be a lot of rookies who are going to have some influence on, on how this team performs and how the outcomes are. Uh, Karloft is probably number one on that list, just because as we previously talked about, there's some question marks around the rest of the, the edge room. And for he's probably going to be the guy that's the steady player that gets a ton of snaps. Um, you know, I, I'm going to buy the fact at this point, I'm going to buy him being a hit because yeah. I think we've seen enough to say that his skill set translates and that he'll work his way into at least a sack every other game. And, and, and so I think he's going to be a hit. So I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy that one. Yeah. And then if Clark can be more than last year is his next one, which I, I think I'm teetering on the selling of that one, to be honest with you, Stag. I hate to say it. Yeah, I was buying it up until this last round of illness um, that, that just makes you wonder, is he going to be missing more and more time? You know, if, if he's healthy, he's skinny Frank, he's out there running around, uh, I'd buy that one. But at this point, it's at least a hold, if not a sell. I think, yeah, hold, that probably is the, is the right call. If Justin Reed can replace Tyron Matthew, I, I think we've talked about this a little bit. Sure. Buy or sell. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying this one all day long. I mean, I think, I, again, I feel like it's a little bit sacrilege, but – after going back and rewatching last season, I feel like there's a there's a football reason Tyron Matthew was let go, not just a money reason. And and I think Reed can not only replace him, but I think he can be a lot better. So I'm, I'm going to buy this one for sure. If McDuffie can be as good as we hope, yeah, I'll buy this one as well. I mean, I feel like he's uh, not talked about very much. We just assume he's going to be good. Uh, it doesn't even seem like it's a question. You're just like, yep. 
McDuffie's going to be there. He's going to be good. He's going to be a starter. Um, I feel like he's going to be a guy they don't target very much, and and uh, and so you might not you might not hear his name called very much, but that's a good thing for for a cornerback. So so yeah, I'm going to buy McDuffie. If Hardman takes the next step, depends on what you mean by next step. Uh, actually, I I don't think Hardman needs to take the next step. Frankly, I, I think Hardman right. can be Hardman, and he could fit really well into this team. So. Uh, I guess I'm selling on a next step because I don't know what his next step would be at this point. I think we know what he is and and what he is is a really fast player that can be productive when it's schemed up for him to be productive. So yeah, I don't think he's going to take another step. I think he's going to do what he's always done and that's going to be good enough. Well, yeah, I I agree. And I'm glad you brought that up because yeah, I I think this is one of his ifs that may not be as, as important of an if, honestly, I don't think he needs to necessarily, like you mentioned, um, but I do think his next step is pretty defined. I mean, it's it, he needs to, you know, become a receiver that can get open, create separation by himself, not within the scheme. And, uh, you know, you know, kind of just, you know, advances are out running to a point where he can, again, get open by himself, you know, have Mahomes trust that, you know, in, in these timing routes, you know, they can get it down rather than the design um, stuff that he gets. But again, I don't think it's as important um, for the team's success. But this one's kind of, you know, I, I think something that I'll buy here. If Juju can remain fit, and recapture his form. Yeah, I'll, I'll buy that one for sure. I mean, I think Juju is the he's the number one receiver. I think he's yeah. going to be proven as such. They they gave him a little little extra kicker on his contract last week, just uh, just out of good you know yeah. goodness of their heart. Uh, but actually, probably because they they've already seen great things out of him, and they want to make sure that he's happy uh, and productive. And so, I have no reason to believe he won't be. Well, in the last one, he kind of mentions how these lists of ifs makes the question about Andrew, Andrew Wiley being a serviceable right tackle seem like a home run. Um, do you buy or sell that he would be a serviceable right tackle this year for the entire year? Because I, I it's, it's a kind of a tough one. I think I'll buy it. I, I think I believe in Wiley, you know, being able to do it. Um, but I don't know. There could be games where it becomes a problem. What do you think? Yeah, I, I am going to sell. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think he has the ability to be serviceable, but – I also think that there's going to be a better option before the season's over. So that's one of my bold predictions. I think I think we threw that out last week or the week before. Yeah. Um, Lucas Niang coming back from PUP at some point. Maybe he gets a shot at that job at some point uh, before the season's over. If it's not him, eventually it's, it might be Kennard. It might be somebody else. Uh, I'm not sold uh, on Wiley. I think he's a, a great sixth man. Uh, I'm just not crazy about him as as the right tackle, so we'll see. But uh, I'm not uh, I'm not betting on that one. Well, that that was the rest for his question. I know you want to maybe look at some rookie receivers and and kind of maybe you know talk about the the top ones. Stags, do you want to introduce that? Yeah, I, I saw this tweet from uh, Stadium Rant at Stadium Rant HQ on Twitter. Which r- rookie wide receiver are you taking? George Pickens, Sky Moore, Drake London, or Chris Olave? Uh, based on what you've seen, based on the odds, based on the uh, the betting line, what's what's Vegas? Who's Vegas like? So this year, uh, I looked at the uh, the odds to lead the rookies in receiving yards. Olave is the favorite. Uh, the New Orleans Saints receiver, uh, first round pick. Um, he's plus five hundred, so a hundred dollars to win five hundred. Close behind him is Drake London, the Falcons receiver who you mentioned, and then third is George Pickens, who Kansas City was obviously familiar with going into the draft. He was he is plus seven fifty. Um, so longer odds than the, the first two favorites by a little bit. So if, if you like picking from the draft, you might go there. But 
Um, Moore is actually eighth with plus 1,200 odds to the Sky Moore um, to, to lead it. So he's, he's a little bit longer of a shot. But I don't know. When you're talking about this year, I, I, I do like George Pickens, honestly. I think he's going he's, he's, he's gonna to come up. And, and, you know, that receiver core is, is in, in Pittsburgh is, is exciting. It, it's got some talent. But I do think he's going to emerge as maybe that top target and, 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 and do a lot of, you know, have a lot of production. But uh, I don't know. Olave is tough, man, because if, if Michael Thomas, you know, if, if he's kind of still – wishy-washy love is going to get a lot of targets in new orleans man and he and he may be that kind of most impressive rookie right away just uh, uh, based on volume yeah you kind of feel like at least these four guys all landed in good spots given given their college career given their outlook you know pickens is going to have an opportunity to win there because he because he plays like a pittsburgh receiver to me i just just feel like that was a perfect fit yeah Uh, sky Moore, i think is going to be a great fit in this offense long term drake london there's nobody else there other than Cal Pitts. So all of a sudden you've got uh, a, a big receiver that's going to have an opportunity to be featured there uh, in Atlanta. And then you've got uh, Chris Olave, who was really the most pro-ready of the bunch, and he went to one of the most uh, uh, offensive playmaker, you know, needy teams, right, yeah, in, in right. that portion of the draft. So so I think they're all in good spots. Um, this question I think you could read two different ways, though. If you're – if your question is like you read it, uh, who's going to have the most receiving yards this year? You know, I think I would I would probably go with with uh, I might go with London just because they they just don't have a lot of other options there. I think he's going to get a ton of targets. Um, but would you pick any of these other guys, given what you know today? Would you trade Sky Moore for Pickens, London, or Olave? I think I'd still want Pickens over Sky Moore, um, but honestly, and honestly, Drake London was someone I really liked in the draft too. Um, so I, you know what? I'll, I'll be honest and say I'd probably take Pickens or Drake London over Sky Moore, um, just in terms of, uh, you know, I, I'm someone who falls in love with that, you know, that traditional, that kind of playmaking X, that you know, guy that's gonna, you know, beat press and, and be able to dice you up on a slant just as much as catch a ball over you like Pickens and, and London are gonna be able to do. I think Sky Moore is gonna be able to do a little bit of that too as well, but. You know, he's just not, you know, these these towering bodies like the other two are with the athleticism, which is why they were such, you know, unique prospects. But I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't want Olave over Sky Moore. I actually I I was never a huge fan of Olave. I think he has a pretty defined role in the NFL, um, which is gonna be a good one, but I think I'd rather take the ceiling of Sky Moore. I'm I'm making a note here. Ron hates Sky Moore. Yeah. Right. Mark it down. Marking that down. No, hey, I- yeah. <laughs> No, it, it's actually fair. I mean, for the role on this team, though, um, I think Sky Moore is a nice complement to what the Chiefs have. I would actually say Olave might be the guy that I would take on this Chiefs wide receiver core over Pickens or London just from – if you just look at who they already have and, and how this basketball team of, of receivers is built, you, you've got you've got a uh, – a discount Drake London and in, in uh, Jody Fortson, right? You've got a, uh, you've got you know Pickens. Uh, you could argue is going to be, you know, somewhere between Juju and MVS, but uh, but they don't really have that uh, uh, the route running of Olave, the the precision that he that he plays with. Uh, you know, he's kind of like he's kind of like McCole Hardman evolved, like which you would hope of McCole yeah. Hardman would evolve into. Um, so I think if I had to trade Sky Moore for one of those other guys, it'd probably be Olave. Uh, but but I think, like I said before, I think they all kind of landed in the right spots. Yeah. 
Well, that's that's the thing. Before the draft, I'd probably agree with you uh, on on that uh, take. That's what I would I gathered from comparing Olave and Sky Moore because I did you know I did scout both and I did have Olave ranked as a high receiver going in. But you know, just seeing more and how how refined he is already as a route runner, something that you saw at the college level. I didn't necessarily maybe give it as much credit because of the, his maybe his uh, his competition. Um, and, and again, it was a learning lesson in terms of wide receiver evaluation because, yeah, that 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 translation of that footwork, that that kind of the route running, kind of the suddenness of, of his cuts, it is showing up in the preseason games. He's, he's had a few, you know, it hasn't turned into big plays yet, right? I think all, I mean, all of his targets uh, turned into incompletions uh, that Mahomes, I guess Henny had the one deep one, but uh, either way, uh, I, you've seen some really good route running from him, and, and so that's why I would honestly say I, I, I'd probably just keep Sky um, and, and not take Olave. I think he has a higher ceiling. Ron, I'd actually like to get your takes, uh, some on-field analysis. This is kind of like the continuation of the Reed remix as we head into the to the regular season. Uh, what have you learned about the Chiefs that you want to talk about from an on-field perspective uh, that you that you can add before we before we see that first game? Right. Yeah. And I'm actually going to have a couple articles coming out this week. The offense is already written. The defense one will, will be worked on um, probably tomorrow. Looking at the preseason, just what we can actually take away right from the preseason games on the field, what you saw on offense. I, one of the, the few highlights I had, um, first of all, uh, was just that we will see and we talked about it a little bit, but the attention on Kelsey this year, I think, will be noticeable and, and noticeable in terms of we're going to see some other receivers get open, uh, especially for big plays. We saw that in the preseason because the strong safety, or I guess I should just say in these two high safety shells, whichever side, whichever uh, safety is on Kelsey's side, they might buzz down quite a bit and kind of, you know, take him, try to take him away quickly, knowing that that's Mahomes' favorite target. They may be even more willing to do that this year because they're not worried as much about the other receivers as they were about Tyreek. But I think that'll give guys like MVS and, and, and actually MVS was the one getting the opportunities in the preseason. Um, a few incompletions actually, but both, both kind of, uh, you know, were deep targets where he got open because the safety on Kelsey's side buzzed down on him and, and it gave, you know, gave him a look, uh, you know, more openness to his side. So I think that's something you'll see a lot more this year. Kelsey might not have as big of games this year. Honestly, I, I could see it where maybe he's, he's not the highlight real big game guy as much this year. And it, but it might just be because the defenses will be much more attentive to him, and I think that'll open up other things for other other, other players. Um, and and, and they both, actually have the guys that take advantage of it this year, so that it might not be a bad thing. Yeah, um, this might be something that that uh, leads this offense to continue to to keep rolling this year. Um, and, and Kelsey, maybe Kelsey the decoy is that is that something we can see? Well, yeah, I, I think that's I think that's what will naturally happen, and I do think another thing that we'll definitely see is in the red zone. I mean, you know, I, I know they probably they were doing it, you know, quite quite a bit before, but I think especially this year, you will see Kelsey get hammered in the red zone physically, you know, trying to beat him up, not allowing Mahomes to go to his safety blanket in those crucial situations. That's where I feel like Jody Fortson's emergence could be could be kind of nice for this team. Hey, why not give Kelsey some some rest in the red zone? I know he's Mahomes' favorite target, but the defenses are not going to respect Fortson as much, and he's going to get those same sort of opportunities, those 1v1 on the outside. We've seen it already in the preseason. So I think there's a chance Fortson, you know, kind of eats into Kelsey's opportunities, you know, maybe for touchdowns at times because it's just kind of a natural way maybe to, to free up, you know, uh, the receivers and not have, you know, Kelsey just, you know, getting hammered in there and, and maybe, you know, getting double teamed as much as he probably will. Um, although that'll open up things for other people. 
you know, if you put Fortson in there, I don't think he'll have that same attention. You might be able to get him the ball uh, more. That's what I was wondering if if that does it open up things for Fortson to get on the field more, or do you think there might be a two tight end set uh, with Fortson that actually has some, you know, some juice to it? Well, yeah, and that's the other. I mean, you could definitely have these these formations where you have twelve personnel, one running back, two tight ends, but you come out and and maybe you have Fortson as the isolated X receiver on one side, like they do with Kelsey a lot of times, and then maybe even Kelsey's like the slot receiver, you know, that's because he can do that as well. It's kind of you know he specializes. He's not as quick as he used to be, but he's still so savvy with his route running. So yeah, there's there's things you can mess with with Fortson's emergence, but I think specifically in the red zone. I think his his ability to even spell Kelsey, not even be on the field with him at the same time, but actually be in the game for him, I think could give you know give way to maybe more opportunity for you know a throw to a tight end. I just think you know in the red zone the defense is going to know Mahomes wants to go to Kelsey, so it's just a it's almost you know he he'll play decoy, but you know that's almost unfair to him. I mean you know, <laughs> he's just getting beat up down there. You know maybe give him a playoff or two, let Fortson uh, do his thing in the red zone. What about the defense? So defense, I, you know, the one thing I noticed, I actually kind of talked about it a little bit, but the, the versatility of Justin Reed at safety, I do think it is interesting because he's always been kind of a free safety type, you know, someone that roams the back, like I mentioned. He, he doesn't, he's not as good up close to the box, up close to the line of scrimmage um, as a traditional strong safety, but you see it in the preseason, they are interchanging those guys, Juan Thornhill and him quite a bit. You know, Juan Thornhill is technically the strong safety, I, I believe, when they, when they, you know, they have to designate one or the other, but they both come down on tight ends. They both kind of work around the defense. And, and as I mentioned, that dime defense, Reed is the one being asked to come up into the box and, and maybe play the run or, or play over a tight end while Cook and Thornhill are the two safeties back in more of the traditional safety roles. So that was the one thing I, I, I thought was interesting. We mentioned Mike Dana playing more interior rush as well. I think there, there is something fascinating. I mentioned, and I noticed this with Frank Clark actually too. I, I do think, Spags loves to run these fire zone blitzes, which basically what a fire zone is, is you have two blitzers come that replace, you know, two defensive linemen that actually drop into coverage. So you still bring the same amount of uh, rushers, but now you have, blitz, you know, two blitzers and then uh, two coverage players as defensive linemen. And, you know, I think Mike Dana is athletic enough to where, you know, in those fire zone blitz opportunities, he can kind of back out and be that kind of, you know, short coverage player. And I actually think that's where Frank Clark might be utilized a lot too, which, is is sad to say, you know, your premier pass rusher may be being utilized more for that, but he is the most more athletic of the defensive ends. And I just think when Spags likes to do that, I've noticed a couple times, you know, in these third down situations in the preseason, Clark was was backing up into, into a short coverage. And I think he's smart enough to do it too. Um, but I think Dana's inside the, the main point though is Dana's inside versatility. There's so much they can do with him this year. And I and I do think it's going to be an asset for for Spags. He's going to like having him as a kind of a, a chess piece. You know, he's kind of been playing that interior rush spot opposite of Jones a lot of times in, in the dime defense. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. In some sense, they've got versatility at every level. You've got, you know, inside-outside versatility and maybe some, some zone drops from your defensive line. You've got linebackers that are going to be on the field for all three downs. And, and Gay and Bolton can be – they're not interchangeable in, in their style of play, but they could be interchangeable pieces on the field. And then you've got, of course, the safeties um, that can do a lot. And, and you've got uh, Legereus Sneed also who can who can do a lot of different things in that secondary. Yeah, no, Sneed is, a, is another good point to bring up, too. I mean, I, I do think I saw a few times where maybe they didn't necessarily just go to the base defense when the defense got a little or the offense matched with a little heavier of a, of a personnel. They might have stayed in their nickel a little bit, knowing that 
hey, Legereus Sneed can basically play outside linebackers. So why not just have him in those situations where maybe it's a heavier formation? Instead of being a slot cornerback, he kind of shifts in and he's that will linebacker. And then you have also Gay and Bolton there as the, the two other linebacker spots, you know, in, in what would be base, right, where they have the three linebackers. So I, I think that may eat into, you know, having a guy like Chanel have impact on the field. But in today's NFL, you want to be so versatile – I think that's a, a good way to do it where you maybe just stay in nickel a lot more. So if they do catch you by surprise with passes in heavier formations, you're not as caught off guard because you have a, a linebacker in for, for a third cornerback, right? You have Snead in there who can do both. He really can. I mean, I remember Spag said it last year. He's, he's basically a linebacker and a cornerback combined. And man, he, he plays like it. And I do think they need to take advantage of that versatility more. Is it time to ramble? Is it time to, to ramble to, to finish this thing off? Uh, Ramblin' Gamblin' Ron, the debut of Ramblin' Gamblin' Ron is here, man. We got we got legal sports betting. I'm excited. I've said it all episode, and I just want to hit on some quick week one bets while we're here. We we, we do tally sites, so if you follow um, us on Arrowhead Pride, all of us writers, we make picks every week, you know, picking, you know, spreads, over-unders, and obviously the money line for each game. Uh, you know, we, we've had some success at Arrowhead Pride. We, we have a pretty good record, I would say, so, so shout out us. Um, but real quick... Thursday night game, got the season opener. I'm feeling Bills minus two and a half. You get that under three, so you kind of, you know, if they win by a field goal, you win the bet. I wouldn't necessarily take the over, I would say, honestly. I, I think it might be kind of a more of a crap suit at the week one game. Uh, you know, I think both defenses are talented enough to hold the other offenses down. I think the Rams, honestly, we hear this Matthew Stafford elbow stuff. Who knows how, how their offense will look right away if he's not feeling great. Um, I also have Josh Allen anytime touchdown plus 170 if we're talk, talking uh, bets. He's, and that's a rushing touchdown, not passing touchdowns. But I feel like Josh Allen's gonna is gonna sneak in for one, so I like that bet. And to finish it off here, I'm feeling some revenge, Stag. I'm feeling some revenge this weekend on the on the slate. Broncos minus six and a half six and a half at Seattle, so you get that touchdown. I'm definitely taking that. And Panthers minus two and a half. You got Russell Wilson going back into Seattle. You got the Panthers. Baker Mayfield starting and hosting Cleveland. I think you see the revenge work out for both of them. So I would take those two favorites in those games as well. That's interesting. I, I'm not sure about the Broncos at Seattle. I'm not sure that oh. uh, I, I don't know that I see Seattle covering that. <laughs> that's that. That's not going to be a very good team there. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Broncos. Yeah, I'm not saying the Broncos are going to stay. Oh, you're taking the Broncos. My my yeah. bad. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, right. no, I think Russell gets his revenge, man. I think he comes in and just and just thwarts them um, in Seattle. So yeah, no, that that's fair. And yeah, it's really interesting. The Baker Mayfield situation is fun just because he's already called it out. Like right. You know, he's he's already made it about that. So, so yeah, I think those are some good lines. I think it's going to be an interesting opener this week. Uh, excited to see how the season plays out. I do think Buffalo is going to be, you know, he's they're kind of the, the odds-on favorite now, right? That's, that's kind of everybody's yep. everybody's preseason champ. So, uh, to see them in the, in the opener on Thursday night football, I think it's going to be exciting. The Chiefs would be the second Thursday night football game, right? So, uh, coming right back the following week against the Chargers. So, any final predictions of uh, Chiefs and, and Cardinals? You get any? Uh, are you getting any money? Any money lines on the Chiefs and Cardinals? You know, in my betting experience, I honestly usually don't bet on the Chiefs because it always turns out bad, and I always feel like I I cause them to lose. So uh, you will not get many Chiefs gambling picks from me as the season goes on. But uh, I, I would I would definitely say don't take the over in this game. I, I have a feeling we might. You know, I I think the the Chiefs defense might might be you know. I think the Cardinals offense without DeAndre Hopkins is going to struggle maybe a little bit. Um, and I think the Chiefs offense, even if they do score some points, I, I do think there could still be some some week one growing pain. So 
as much as it's it's tempting to take that over, I I, I would kind of maybe stay away from it. This this game's going to be interesting, man. I I I think the Cardinals are going to keep it close. They're a team that come out hot a lot, but I think the Chiefs t- you know take it home for sure. What do you think, Stags? Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick them to win. I, I think those are fair points. I think the the Cardinals are going to struggle to score. The Chiefs' defense obviously is going to be new look and, and hopefully improved. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that close. I think the Chiefs are going to open it up with a, with a big win this week. Love it. Uh, but, hey, that's the great thing about this week is, is there's actual real football games that count. Uh, we appreciate you hanging with us on the Out of Structure podcast just like every week, even through the off season. Uh, you guys stayed with us. We had great uh, engagement and, and uh, listens and downloads all off season. Now we're heading into the regular season, really hitting our stride uh, as this Chiefs team comes together. It's going to be an exciting season. Uh, one last time, i got to congratulate Ron uh, on your recent nuptials. Uh, happy that that all went well and that you're back with us and, and focused now on football season instead of planning weddings. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, spending this football season with you guys. So thanks again for all your great questions, for listening and downloading rating and reviewing our show and the rest of the shows on the podcast network. We'll talk to you again next week, hopefully on a victory Monday. <laughs>